As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. presented by Trader Joe's. I'm Stuart Mandel, joined in person by Bruce Feldman and my producer John Hayes to the left. In a minute you're going to hear from our Cincinnati writer Justin Williams. We are all here in Scottsdale, Arizona for two reasons. One, the college football world has descended here for their conference meeting slash fiesta frolic. And then the athletic college football staff is coming into town to do a uh, all, all staff uh, off-site. Uh, I just walked into this hotel about a half hour ago and already saw Dave Clawson, Matt Campbell, uh, Dana Holgerson, uh, uh, Dave Aranda. You just you just like bump into these people. You've been here for two days, Bruce. I've bumped what? into a lot of people. Pretty you, much, you've probably talked to everybody by now. It's pretty much everybody other than the SEC is here, um, and it's it's not just football coaches. It's college basketball coaches, men and women. It's ads. It is. It's pretty much every power broker in the sport is here. So, then these meetings have gone on for years, but last year and the previous year, because of the pandemic, they were not as attended. Um, and this has been, I don't know, it's been really great to reconnect with a lot of people. It's a much more relaxed setting. Now we'll get into this in a second more, but uh, there's a lot of issues going on in college athletics as we talk about on the podcast. And so there's been meetings and coaches meetings and ADs meetings where there has been, there's a lot of people on edge right now, especially as it relates to NIL, you know, uh, not just NIL, but like, are a lot of things getting bastardized to get under the umbrella of NIL? Collectives, are these things really rogue? Is there, these things seem to be coming to a head and the leadership in college athletics they're not, a lot of, most of them are not against NIL, but what they are against is pay for play, where it's to the point where I have a story that should be up on The Athletic by the time people are listening to this podcast about the Pac-12 meetings and Rick George, who had been on committees. Colorado's AD. Yes, thank you. In the infancy of NIL discussions with Gene Smith and some other influential people really wanted to address the issue head on. And about punitive matters, about what's, 
you know, where pay for play is. A lot of these rules are where one of the coaches I talked to was like, there's actually not a lot of gray area when it comes to boosters. And I think there's a lot of things that now have been, I think, forgotten or maybe people just don't realize that, okay, while it's a new era, not everything has been thrown out. And so to a lot of people, and I've heard this expression used a lot of late, it's like NIL stands to a lot of people as now it's legal. (laughs) And... I like that. Because uh, I've been encouraging people to stop using NIL because that's not what they mean. They mean pay for play when they're talking about we need regulations and this is out of control. Like They're not talking about endorsement deals. So this has been brewing for building for months. I do feel like this is interesting timing that we're all here because I feel like in the past week there were a couple events that were uh, kind of boiling point moments. One was John Ruiz, the Miami Super Booster his company, Life Wallet, he is out there bragging, we're gonna spend $10 million on athletes, Miami athletes. He um, tweeted when they got that basketball transfer from Kansas State, the exact details of the deal. And he's just basically saying, you can try to come after me, but this is all legal. Like I've got my lawyers, uh, we're perfectly allowed to do this. Um, Then on draft night, I believe, was when the word first got out about Jordan Addison. Pitts, All-American, Blitnikoff receiver, uh, who's going to hit the transfer portal, which he officially did on Tuesday. And that, and now I want to emphasize, this is rumor, that we have nobody has confirmed this, that he's got some multi-million dollar deal waiting for him at USC. Caleb Williams tried to get him to come play at USC, and the USC's already offered him a huge deal, and et cetera. And there's, and there's gray area within that because... There's some people inside the pit program who are obviously very frustrated. He wasn't in the portal, and there's conversations going on about him transferring. Then there's the part of from our reporting that the Caleb Williams and maybe Caleb Williams' dad have been talking to him and maybe some other people about possible transfer options. You know, as the Athletic reported uh, this morning, which is Wednesday, that Jordan Addison has been in fact working out in Southern California. And what's interesting is one of the quarterbacks he's working out with could use probably some more receivers because he is Bryce Young, who's the biggest name quarterback in the country, just won the Heisman. And he lost Jordan, uh, Jamison Williams, a first-round pick to the NFL. He lost John Mechie. As great as they are, they could use another receiver. So does that mean Alabama's a player? Um, there's a lot of stuff. Former on. receivers coach from Pitt is at Texas. Like the idea that Jordan Addison would enter the transfer portal and, and only have one school and one school in mind, and that's USC, to me, seems a little far-fetched. Every school in the country is going to want this guy, and some of them are going to have boosters who are willing to, to pony up for that. Um, and that again, that gets into the issue that I, a lot of conferences, I know the Pac-12 really addresses, how are boosters getting involved just to, to think they're paying above board and think they can get away with it, because then it's pay for play. Right. And if you see, one of the things that's in our story that'll go up today about if you have a tiered system and there's, you know, there's some uh, sources have said that certain schools have those. Well, that's pay, that is another way at pay for play that's going to fit into the same. What do you mean by a tiered system? So you have a certain, certain people are getting one thing. It's not like everybody's getting, you know, in certain people are getting more than others. And it's not like it's really organic where, uh, you know, there's a player who may not be a great player, but he's worked really hard to have a bunch of different NIL deals where it's organic. But if it be- comes in a different way where it's some school collective that has been involved to take care of people, that 
is going to feel differently. Like I think we discussed this like a, a week or two ago with one of your stories, maybe about the three-star defensive lineman. And my point was, well, of course they're getting told by the coaching staff who to give money to. Right. There's no other way for anybody to know why they would de- why they would uh, determine make that determination to pay somebody a lot of money. My takeaway from the stories that have come out of here about, you know, there was there was a story from Ross Dellinger that uh, that you know, they've the the the, uh, the there's a there's an NCA task force, right? They always have task forces that hit, that is going to hit this head on, reinforce, come up with guidelines, reinforce that booster contact recruits has always been against the rules. It's still against the rules, and they're going to start cracking down on it. And my thing is, first of all. You can just see, like, the people that are in charge are so far behind already um, in terms of where things actually are. And Nicole Auerbach reported about a survey they did of ADs, the lead one, the, the trade group for ADs. It was like 77% are concerned that there might be pay-for-play going on. It's like, oh, welcome to the club, guys. Yeah, Yes, that is going on, actually. And that's nice that you're concerned about it. What are you going to do about it? And um, I think the reason that boosters have no fear of the NCAA is it's the NCAA. They, they can't even punish... You know, Kansas just won a national title in basketball five years after the FBI thing that they got cut off. I'm glad you pointed that out. So in our story, one of the coaches gets into that very issue and was like, I'm sitting here looking around and there's Bill himself holding court here at the bar. And it was like, he has a bunch of level one violations and they presented him with the trophy recently. It's like, so what's going on there? And then on top of it, like, and I talked to three different coaches from this meeting yesterday and they all were like the most bizarre one was bizarre one said surreal moment was towards the end of the meeting ray anderson the ad of arizona state looked around and was like we got to crack down on this stuff. <laughs> and it was like it was like and it has of all to be, the people <laughs> and it has to be done at the con and we need to have it done at the conference level and, every, and one of the guys was like wait oh my god did he really just go there and it's just that's what we got there's a lot of challenges they're faced with i mean you know, we can all sit around and agree that this environment is not healthy for the sport, for the product of college football. I mean, imagine being a pit fan right now. Your star receiver uh, is leaving. You're not your pit. You're not a max school, right? The max schools, and they've they've been getting their star players picked off. Well, now it's happening to a team that just won the ACC. So I get it. I get the concern, and it would be nice if they could rein it in. I don't think they can because. Everybody outside of college sports, all the way up to the Supreme Court, is saying, no, 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 no. You cannot try to cap, or you cannot try to deny athletes an opportunity to make money. So you've already got a class, you know, a, you know, about a year's worth of recruits and players who have been able to get these deals from these collectives. You're going to step in now and say, everybody going forward, that's not an option. That's a lawsuit waiting to happen. Well, it's also challenging. Again, one of the coaches made this point. He was like, I don't know how you get at if a, if a player tweets out three times, has three tweets about a car dealership, is that enough to merit a $65,000 car? He's like, I don't know. Yeah. And it's like, but then there's, that's true. But the other thing is if the car deal, if the, if the car dealer is a booster, He's not supposed to be talking to players like this. And so there is where I think, you know, it's going to be a lot of, it's going to be a lot of uh, legwork for the NCA to round up a lot of things and say, how do they police it? Because at least as the Pac-12 was discussing it, they're not talking about doing anything to the players who may have be in violation because of something somebody else did, but they're talking about how they're going to be 
uh, finding schools and also finding coaches and maybe suspending coaches if they violate it. If they can, if, if they go in and they they and that's at the conference level, yeah. not the ACC, not at the, the NCAA. So level. if the Pac-12 was to say, okay, every coach in the conference, you got to turn over your texting, your phone records, your text messages from the last year, and they do that, and they find out that Herm Edwards was no, that's a bad example. They're pretty behind in the NIL <laughs> game, uh, Oregon. Uh, that they find texts from uh, Dan Lanning to you know Phil Knight's guy saying we really need this receiver. How much can you offer him? Yeah, you caught him. Like, you caught the guy. I don't know if they've been dumb enough to be that sloppy or not. But if you're saying you're going to penalize the school because on their own, a group of donors formed an LLC, and they are paying athletes to, you know, do quote-unquote legitimate NIL appearances, like, that's that's what it was designed for. Now, we can, we can say, like, oh, you know... Sixty-five thousand dollars to do an autograph signing is absurd, and, and that's clearly just an excuse to give the kid the recruit money. But I don't know who who determines that. Who determines that? Nope. You know the five the kid that got five thousand dollars that was legit. The kid that got sixty-five thousand, you're gonna be penalized. I think for that. the difference maybe is when you're saying you said recruit, yeah, and it's if it's an inducement. That's the part where I think it's like, wait a minute, there's high school players involved in here, where it's determined, then all of a sudden. You know, it's like, okay, this guy's getting X. Well, now people are getting recruited off their rosters where all of a sudden it's like, you know, you have these, you know, there are, some of them are attorneys, but there are agents who are basically shopping kids around now, taking them to create these, you know, basically bidding wars. Yep. So. That's absolutely happening. And so let's say the NCAA decides they want to crack down on that. Um, like, we all know it's pay for play. But these collectives, these boosters, these guys that make that have so much money that they can just throw a million dollars at a quarterback, they have lawyers. They have really good lawyers. And they, they've definitely run those contracts by those lawyers. And those lawyers are going to come back and say, you can't prove that was pay for play. There's nothing in this contract that says he has to come to the school. They're, you know, they, they recognize that he's a really good athlete and that he's marketable. And they this LLC decided to go into business with this player. And you can't... Tell them they can't. So let, let me ask I think you. In, I think it's going to be a very long and messy legal battle if they go there. So either one of us reports or retweets a story, and I think people assume you're against NIL. You're against, you know, like you're. This is what sports writers want. They're trying to ruin it. So I would ask you this: What do you think of it? What, of of which part? Of, of boosters buying uh, players? Of boosters buying players where if it's just a straight up inducement but they can work around it, what do you think of it? Is it like, hey, they just, people are making a ton of money off them, good for them, they've worked hard to be a recruitable athlete, they deserve it. Doesn't matter if, you know, like, do you care if it's if it's $2 million or $120,000? Like, yeah. are there thresholds to this? Like, I'm just curious from your own personal opinion, do you care? Like the part that I've kind of like tried to unpack in my head is, you know, you have a you have now, let's say you have a quarterback who's making, and this has been obviously discussed, where he's making seven figures to go to some school. Well, the kid they might have signed the year before might be just as good, but he didn't get that deal. Now, how does that work at the at you know at the the level of his play? There's more pressure on him. There's all of a sudden now. Like, you're talking about a 17-year-old or a 16-year-old who people are going to him like relatives because now they know he's got the money all of a sudden. There's a lot of stuff baked into this. Never mind, like, are there, you know, does he have to 
money manager and tax accounts and all these other other things, it's it's really complicated. I wrote a column about this on Friday um, about, and I believe the headline was, does does NIL make us uncomfortable because we think it's wrong or because it's different? And I wrestled with that myself. I mean, and again, I want to differentiate between like there's absolutely nothing wrong with with just players making money from their NIL. Okay, that should have happened two decades ago. The first time I ever saw a jersey with a player's number on it and he wasn't making money from it, I thought that's wrong. Boosters buying recruits makes me very uncomfortable uh, because it goes against, you know, we've been conditioned all our lives. That's taboo. That's wrong, right? And obviously you want some semblance of a level playing field. I think we all agree there is no level playing field and never has been. But in theory, you would like there to be that. But is it wrong? I don't think you can honestly say that in a multi-billion dollar industry, I mean, we're here, I mean, just for the record, we are here at the Hyatt Regency Gady Ranch in Scottsdale that, how much do the rooms go here for, you know? $500 a night. Yeah. Of all the places for these ADs to hold their meetings, they've picked here, okay? And they're not paying for that out of their own dime. So this tells me that, you know, all these schools that are represented here have them enough money in their budget, or the conferences, I guess, to hold these their meetings in these palatial hotels. And we're going to say, that's okay, but, you know, recruit X, who who's, comes from, you know, economically disadvantaged background, Whose, whose mom works three jobs to be able to even pay the rent. No, 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 you can't have any of it. No, no, no. You can't have that because that, that would be bad for college football. I can't honestly, with a straight face, sit here and say, like, that's morally wrong. It's not. Okay, in full disclosure, while yeah. this is while this podcast is being taped, Stu agreed to let them give him a pedicure, and so he's got his feet up on the table. <laughs> so. That is not, that is not accurate. Uh you know, I look. You're the one. I mean, you've been here. Uh, I've been to these enough in the past to know what I'm about to describe. The reception, like, forget the meetings. The receptions they have out there on the lawn at night, right? They're like it's like Fogo de Chao out it's on the not golf quite, course. It's like, not quite to that degree yeah. now. Uh, uh, they've oh, they've scaled back. They've well, scaled. And and by the way, that's just the like official conference business part. We're now transitioning into the part of the week that is just the full on fiesta frolic where the Fiesta Bowl pays for coaches and everybody and their wives and their, to come out here and just play golf and get drunk for free, right? So come on, like in that context, how can we sit here and say, oh, but that, you know, that John Ruiz giving that basketball player a couple hundred thousand dollars, like, we got to do something about that, you know? I do think there should be rule. there should be, if somebody breaks the rules and you can prove it, then yeah, they, they broke the rules, punish them. But, but the notion that... Uh, do you have a problem, do, like, if... And we have to define what tampering would be. Yeah. Like, but do you have a problem if it exists? Sure. I don't think. I, I think if a coaching, if an actual coaching staff is is calling up recruits who are who are not in the transfer or players. What if they're calling up the high school coaches? See, that's where that's why I don't think you can enforce it. Yes, tampering is wrong. I think we can all agree that staff should not be poaching players off other teams' rosters before they're in the portal, right? And if they get caught, punish them. That that to me is much more straightforward than the. The payment part but like you said they use outside they go through third parties I mean it's possible I'm not saying this is true that nobody at USC actually uh, recruited Jordan Addison off the roster that Caleb Williams did is that tampering Can, or is that just like two buddies from the DMV you know just like the NBA players right talk amongst them say hey wouldn't it be so cool to play together like is that I mean, tampering he, did, he didn't call him when he was at Oklahoma what do you mean 
Well, if they were buddies from the DMV, that is history. I was like, why didn't he recruit him before? Because he was out of there before it was time to play the next season. I don't know. Uh, yeah, no, you're right. Like, so, you know, the pit coaches, or I don't know if they were coaches, anonymous pit staff members, right, went to the press immediately and accused USC of tampering. Went to the press. That's like a 1930s reference. <laughs> Bruce, did you did you play a bad round of golf? What's going on here? You're a little bit ornery. We're in this we're in paradise here. You're a little bit ornery. Tell uh, tell us the truth. What happened to you on the golf course uh, that you're so ticked I, off about? No, I'm not. I, I we had a good fun round of golf. Um, I played with my buddies from Fox. It was me, Rob Stone, and Matt Liner. I made some money. I didn't make enough money, but I made some money. There was one little thing. I since I've, I'll go into the story. So, I hit on the 18th hole. I hit what I think is my best drive of the day. It's on a dog leg left. And we get over the ridge, and Rob goes, Oh boy. I was like, What? He was like, There's water over there. Didn't realize I carried it into the water. Matt Liner, not as big a hitter, didn't reach the water. <laughs> so now, Isn't that something? You're a better athlete than Matt Liner. Did I didn't something. say that. I'm just saying that I'm a better golfer than him. So, it's red stakes, so I get to drop it there. And then I have to carry the water. I just hit a four iron. And Matt um, is now like 150 yards in front. And I'm basically got to aim towards him and his cart. And I won't say this person's name, but it's another Fox executive who are in the cart. And they're right where I'm going. I hit a really good four iron. It's hard, right, John? It's like... And instead of them moving, I don't know if Matt says, hey, stay here, but... Bang. I mean, it sounded like hitting a beer keg with an aluminum bat. <laughs> I lose like 75 yards a roll because Leinard and his henchmen from Fox don't move. No way. Yeah. It's bullshit, man. Anyway. So. So that's why you're ornery this morning. No. So. I think that um, there are certain parts of this that are, you know, I know uh, I mean, we're actually within eyeshot right now of Todd Berry, the AFCA director. And I know he's pushing for... The transfer portal. He's healthy, by the way. Yeah, healthy after a, a pretty bad bout with COVID. Um, for the transfer portal to have certain parts of the year where it's closed and certain parts of the year where it's open, I think that's a sensible idea. He's also pushing for um, uh, the elimination of the 25 counters per year. You get, you can sign as many as you want. You just have to get it to 85. By the way, so somehow last night um, I was out with a group like. There was a bunch of sports writers we know who were smoking cigars, and I ran into an old friend who's on the old Miss Beat who now works out here, David Brand. Somehow we got talking about your favorite former SEC coach, and um, you're gonna have to narrow that down. No, I think I know who you're talking about. Yeah, Houston Nutt. Yeah, so we who created? I mean, he. That's what I was created the oversight. This would be a reversal, you know? Like this would be back to signing 37 guys. 38. Um, 38. Well. So those are, those are, and the reason by the rationale for that is there are programs like Arizona State has lost 28 transfers this year, and you're only allowed to, you know, you only get enough scholarships to replace seven of them extra above your 25. You know, you're not gonna have, if you're not going to have enough players to field a practice, that's a problem. So those are, those are practical things. Tampering. If you, if you could get better enforcement on tampering, that would be great. I think, I don't know how you do it, but yeah. that would be great. But I think the notion that you're going to come in, that you've already opened, you know, you let the genie out of the bottle for a year. The boosters have all now set this precedent that, like, a four-star running back is, can get this much. And you're going to try to now step in and say, you can't do that anymore. And the next group of players aren't going to get anything from these groups. I think that's, that's lawsuits they will lose. 
Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. All right, we have a guest who's been sitting here very patiently. Like I said, the whole athletic staff, college football staff is in town, or getting into town, for our staff meetings uh, this week. Justin Williams covers, does an amazing job covering the Cincinnati Bearcats. And though we are a few days now removed from the NFL draft, this isn't necessarily as, as hot a topic. I mean, Bruce and I have both said, um, and I've said it in the, in the mailbag, what... What Luke Fickle and that staff did, putting nine guys, into, yeah. they put more guys into the draft than Alabama this year. It was only uh, Georgia and LSU. Georgia had, what, 15 for the LSU record, and LSU had 10. Yeah. Texas had zero. How many, you know, I think I looked it up. Texas makes 10x the revenue that Cincinnati does, and they put nobody in the draft, and Cincinnati put nine. Long story short, how, does he, how did he do it? Yeah, I mean, I think a couple of things, right? They benefited from having... Both the, the COVID year, they had a couple guys who, who came back. Curtis Brooks was a six-year player who ends up going in the seventh round, sixth round. If he would have come out year before his redshirt senior year, he wouldn't have gotten drafted. And then you have Sauce Gardner, who goes fourth overall, who played three years. So you're kind of basically running like a three-year gap between the amount of players. And that's, you know, every school has that right now. But that was part of the benefit. But, yeah, I mean, I think if you – I don't know that anyone needed any – vindication for the success Cincinnati's had for the past couple years now but if anyone was still holding out like oh it was gimmicky or how did they do it this is how they did it they brought in a lot of guys most of them three stars or less and developed them Jerome Ford I think was the only four star the who transferred in from Alabama running back and yeah I think that's just a credit to you know the culture that that Luke Fickle built and uh, and the success the team was able to have and, and again, that's it was a huge moment for Cincinnati, but I think it also showed people why they were so successful here the past couple of years. Yeah, I felt like this weekend, or this past weekend, was like a, should also be like a celebration for like Brady Collins or whatever, because mm-hmm. he was the guy who helped, you know, he's the strength guy who's done an amazing job with, as you said, like, I, what did Ritter weigh when he showed up? Yeah, I mean, he, he was scrawny, yeah, probably. I mean, like the jokes about Sauce Gardner being 150 pounds are not jokes. He was gossamer thin when he showed up. And Brady Collins' strength coach is a huge example. It's also just the hiring in general. So for Sauce Gardner, he was he was in the green room. Luke Fickle was there. Perry Eliano, who was his corners coach for two years, is now the safeties coach at Ohio State, was there. And then as he gets called and Sauce is walking out to the stage, he runs into Marcus Freeman, who's there with Kyle Hamilton, who's now the head coach at Notre Dame. Like, it's Luke Fickle, it's the staff that he's hired, and it's their evaluation and development of the players they brought in. Let me ask you this while you've got you. So they obviously, they did some things. Honestly, I didn't, I'm not surprised they were undefeated. I was surprised that the CFP would actually, you know, let them be in the four. 
so we talk about all nine nine big time players have left. I mean, I think an obvious question is now they're they're here. Some of these, you know, like Dana Holderson was in Big Twelve meetings earlier this week. A lot of these coaches, they are going to the Big Twelve. So is this a sign of things to come? Are they just getting started? Or is there going to be a little bit of a dip now that you lose all those players and your quarterback who felt like he was there forever? Yeah. You know, it's like felt like it was Tony Pike to him. I know it's not, <laughs> but like, so what should we know? Are we expecting, all right, they're probably going to go, probably going to be eight and four-ish for a couple of years, and then maybe they'll jump back into it at the Big 12? Well, so the, the benefit they get, as much as Cincinnati wants to get to the Big 12, they're very fortunate that they're still in the AAC this year because, yeah, they, they have a big talent drain. I think they can still compete for an AAC championship this year. It's probably going to be them and Houston kind of at the top. If they're going in the Big 12 this year, you're probably not feeling as confident. The good thing for Cincinnati, even though they're losing so much talent, they have recruited at a high level for a group of five team in the past couple years. I think they've had the top group of five recruiting class three of the last four years. In the Big 12, that's obviously going to have to take a jump, but it's they're working on a shorter gap. And it's also not like they're jumping into the SEC. I mean, Correct. It's like Texas and OU are leaving. It's not. I mean, Stu and I talked about this the other day. You know, I forgot who the school was we were talking about that was like maybe Oklahoma State. It wasn't like they're they're putting top 15 classes together either. Right. So they, they have a little less ground to make up. And they're already doing this on the recruiting trail. They've had three – Cincinnati's had three things used against them the past couple years. Luke Fickle's going to leave. You're, you're not – you're never going to be in a Power 5 conference. And you're never going to make the playoff. Well – they're paying Luke Fickle $5 million a year. He's signed through 2028. He's turned down a bunch of interest. Doesn't seem like he's going to leave. They're going to the Big 12, and they've already made the playoffs. So on the recruiting trail, they did have some things kind of working against them, and they were still having success in spite of that. And I think you're already seeing, all right, now that those barriers are coming down, again, not that they're going to have the highest-rated Big 12 recruiting class immediately, but, but I think they are already set up to have success pretty quickly in the Big 12 with the success they've had recently. And that's certainly the way they feel about it. Yeah, I think that those teams that are coming into the Big 12 are coming in with a chance to be competitive a lot sooner than, for instance, you know, when Utah joined the Pac-12, they took a step back for several years. It took them a long time to get to the the depth and whatever to be able to compete. Uh, TCU, when they first got to the Big 12, I don't think there's as big a gap between... And look, Baylor had a great showing themselves in the NFL draft. Like, they, they do a great job, too. I don't think there's a big a gap between their recruiting, Oklahoma State's recruiting, TCU's recruiting, and Cincinnati, Houston, UCF, who's in a great recruiting territory. So, yeah, I and mean, I think that that sets them up well. I wanted to ask you about Desmond Ritter. You know, we just went through, this happens every year, right? You go through this draft cycle, and at some point or another, there are like 10 different quarterbacks who you know Dan Orlovsky or somebody is like this is the guy you know if you don't take this guy in the first round you're crazy and he ended up going fourth he was third round third round was that considered a disappointment or was that considered like that's probably about where he probably should have been in the first place it's just that the the hype got a little far ahead yeah you know it's interesting I think if before probably even like the morning of Thursday before the first round if you say hey Desmond Ritter is going to be the second quarterback taken in the draft you're thinking, all right, maybe mid to late first round, maybe he falls into the second round, but second quarterback in the draft, like that's, you know, that's good. That's great. He was the second quarterback taken in the draft. He just, you know, went, I think, 74 in the third round. Pickett goes to the Steelers in the first round, nobody after that. I think that's what it was, is, you know, we've been saying for months, it's not the strongest quarterback draft class. And it seems like even when it isn't the strongest class, those quarterbacks go pretty high. 
after Pickett when none of them, Willis didn't get taken, Ritter didn't take it, Hal's falling. I think it was kind of one of those things where they're all pretty close together. So until one of them gets taken, then there's not going to be a, a run on them. So yeah, for Desmond Ritter, he's probably disappointed he didn't go sooner. It seemed maybe a, a week, week and a half ago, like he was almost a, for sure to be a first round draft pick and it just didn't work out that way. Atlanta was always one of the places he was talked about going. I, th- I think that's a really good situation for him. And as much as he would have liked to get taken sooner, you know, he's a guy who thrived in college under some doubt and kind of being overlooked. So maybe long term, it's not going to be the worst thing for him, even if in the moment he was having to sit and stare at his phone a lot longer than he had hoped for. Um, I'm curious. So for people who don't, you know, haven't been around there, like, do you notice a big difference in terms of like the buy? You know, I feel like it's like a it's a pro sports town. Like, what is the biggest difference you notice about the vibe around the place? You definitely saw it this past year. You know, it was really tough. They had a great 2020 season. They go to the Peach Bowl, undefeated regular season, but they couldn't have fans in the stands. And so in a lot of ways, 2021, when they got a lot of those guys back, they continued to have that success and they go to the playoff. It was, you know, kind of like you're doubling up in terms of the excitement that was year before that couldn't be there so you definitely you saw it in little stuff like people wearing bearcats gear around town uh, and it was funny that it was kind of happening at the same time the Bengals go on this crazy run so maybe it would have been even bigger if you know the, the Bengals run hadn't happened but it was almost like there was kind of a symbiosis there and now with the reds being pretty bad um pretty bad yeah like <laughs> the, three and yes with the reds being very bad there's definitely, and, and the Big 12, it's happening at a good time. Fickle stain has been huge. So you can definitely see the interest pick up. And it's, you know, it's being shown in the investment, too. They're going to build an indoor practice facility. So there's definitely, they have those disadvantages of being kind of a pro sports town. And that's something that the university has had to fight for a long time. But I think you're seeing when you have success and you can sustain it with the investment and the, and the coach, there, there is a lot of excitement there. And you, you definitely notice it around town. So I mentioned the phenomenon of, like, the year-round draft machine and certain players get hyped up. So the early 2023 mock drafts have come out, and I got a real kick. I'm sitting next to Penn State grad John Hayes that Will Levis – we know, like, C.J. Stroud, Bryce Young, right? That's no surprise. That Will Levis – Are you surprised by this, though? Yeah. I'm not. I am not at all. Really? Will Levis has, like, maybe the strongest arm in college football. From the time – I remember going to State College um, – to do a Trace McSorley feature for Fox and Ricky Ronnie, who was the quarterback coach there, like I did not realize he was like talked about Will Levis's arm the way it was like a Josh Allen-ish kind of discussion. And we know we can really run. And when he went, I feel like we're bringing John in here, whether we want to or not. When they played Ohio State and he had to go in and play, you know, you saw his running ability. He made plays. He just had an NFL-style offense that he came in. He didn't have the spring, right? So he had Liam Cohen's offense from the Rams, or elements of it. Did not have a spring to learn. I'm not, And he's playing at a high level in the SEC. I'm not at all surprised that people think he could be a first-round. Okay, well, if that's the case, I'll take your word for it. Then doesn't that mean that your number seven coach in the country, or whatever he is, James Franklin, made a colossal oh, effort? <laughs> he chose Sean Clifford over this guy. Sean Clifford's not. I don't know if he'll even get drafted next year. What do you say to that, John? It's it's strange to me that you go talk to Ricky Roddy. He would tell you how great his arm is, and then run quarterback right off the right tackle ten straight times. That that to me is a question mark in itself. And then he goes to Kentucky, and he's one of the better quarterbacks in the SEC. Sean Clifford's coming back for his sixth season. And Penn State fans are 
looking around saying, just gave our head coach the uh, biggest contract, one of the biggest contracts in college football, and he picked the wrong quarterback, and Pitt is the better program in state right now. By the way, uh, Justin, I think it's fair to say the grouchy person over here is on that side of the table, <laughs> not on this side of the table. Believe it or not, there was a Justin Williams-related reason I brought him up. You know, okay, so just so you know, John like showed me on his phone a little bit. He goes, should we, should, should, you know, he suggested we say, could Cincinnati become a threat to Ohio State? I think the answer to that is absolutely not. But Cincinnati, one of the programs he's kind of, I feel like the two programs that they've started to recruit against or overlap with a little bit, right? Michigan State and Kentucky. Kentucky's in the SEC. You would think they have every possible advantage over Cincinnati. But I, do you, what's that dynamic like? Like I could see Cincinnati once they get Power 5 affiliation becoming a, a, I mean, they, they had a better season last year than Kentucky. Could they be a better program than Kentucky? Yeah, I mean, it's certainly been a recruiting battle the past couple of years, and, you know, Cincinnati's benefited a lot from getting Luke Fickle and all his Ohio Midwest institutional recruiting knowledge, and he's notoriously had a, a good eye for kind of undervalued talent. And they've also benefited from Ohio State becoming this big national recruiting. Like, if there's even Cincinnati guys, they just, Ohio State just got a safety from Lakota, which is right up the road from Cincinnati. If there's a, a really stud local player, even in Cincinnati, Ohio State's going to get them. But because they're now branching out so much, some of those three, four-star guys that maybe Ohio State isn't taking – you know, Cincinnati is a real player on, and has been for the past couple of years when those guys would go to Purdue, Michigan State, Kentucky. And I think, again, yeah, you know, we talked about those barriers that they've had, and that's a way Kentucky was able to beat them on some guys. Hey, come play in the SEC. You don't want to play in the AAC every week. There's one less thing. You know, you can use the playoff. You can use Luke Fickle, and now you can use the Big 12. as like here's one more thing we can do to convince whether it's Ohio guys or just Midwest guys in general to, to maybe stay at Cincinnati. Yeah, all in all, I think that the draft the draft gave you a little bit of, well, if you're an Ari Wasserman Stars Matter guy, Georgia is like your, your thesis, your closing art, right? They brought in the five stars, and they put them in the NFL. And by the way, that's not a given, because look at Texas, look at USC, like they bring in those kind of guys, and you never hear from them again. So testament to Kirby Smart and his staff. But what Luke Fickle just did, like you said, identifying under undervalued talent, um, you know, he seems to have a formula that he can tell, like, when a certain guy, not that it's a guarantee, hey, this guy, the other schools are overlooking him because he's an inch too short or whatever, we're going to get him. And that's, that's, I mean, to me, there's no better uh, testament to coaching than, than that. Like, it's easy to see good coaching when you're taking three stars, two stars, whatever they are, and turning them into NFL players. Justin, we appreciate you doing this on short notice. Stu will make sure you get plenty of alcohol. <laughs> and, by short note, and by short notice, we mean we saw him sitting over there and we're like, hey, you know what? He should come on. That would be good to talk about. Well, Stu did want to talk about Cincinnati, uh, Cincinnati football, especially on the week of the draft. I don't think we knew for sure if you were coming. So... Yeah, man of mystery. We didn't know if you were actually coming to Scottsdale. Yeah, much less sitting at the couch next if, to you. If uh, if my wife is listening, which she's definitely not, it's it's, <laughs> it's raining and it's just kind of terrible here, and yeah. so I'd much rather be at home with with the newborn baby. <laughs> I didn't I didn't realize how much your wife did not like Stu until just now. <laughs> <laughs> is, this, is this your first time traveling since the newborn? It, I mean, yeah, it's it's it was kind of tenuous whether I was going to come out here or not. Um, yeah. but it, it is with with the new one. This is our third one, so you know the. The blooms off the rose. Yeah, I remember that first that first tra- time. Uh, we only have one after the first uh, after she was born. The first time going back out on the road, 
was hard. So we appreciate you coming out. Absolutely. Uh, it's going to be a good time here. I'm the one week. making the sacrifice, clearly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Bruce, anything else we need to get to? We, we don't have mailbag yeah. questions this week. We'll, we'll get back to that next week. Um, but yeah, I mean, t- needless to say, like, it feels like college football is on fire right now. College sports is on fire. And and being here around all these people whose like, job it is to figure it out, it's uh, certainly an interesting dynamic. All right, we'll see you next time.